Well, welcome everyone. Welcome visitors. It is so, uh, I'm so glad to be able to come this morning and worship with you all. And thank you for, uh, the kind, uh, happy birthdays and the song. Uh, very kind of you. And I'll just say I'm, I count it a privilege to be able to be here and to serve you and being your pastor. Uh, so even as it is Pastor Appreciation Month, I appreciate you, and I love you, and I thank God for you, and uh, and so just uh, want you to know that, and um, and so as we have worshiped together, may we then now continue to worship together as we now turn to the Word. So let me let me pray as we do that. Father, we come before you this morning, and we. Thank you. We thank you for just the joy it is to come. We thank you that we can come in light of Christ. We come in light of what he has done. And we thank you that now he is, even as we saw last week, that Christ is in us. And we come as the body with this truth set before us. We come, every one of us this morning, not as those who are worthy, but ones who have come to the one who is worthy. Uh, so we thank you that when in coming to church this morning, we just are admitting that we are sinners and we are we cannot do this life apart from you. We indeed were made to not live this life apart from you. We were made to worship you. And so help us, Father, help us to come as we come to your word, help us to come as we are. Help us to not uh, to come with masks, masks on, not with uh, you know an air of uh, trying to impress or trying to uh, make ourselves look good, but help us just to come as we are, and help us to receive your word, Father. And, and may we come and. and uh, even bending our hearts now as we come. And so help us, Father, by your Spirit, to hear the word of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue our series through the letter of Colossians, I want to begin by recalling what we saw last week. So we saw last week Paul's ministry of suffering and struggle for Christ and for the good of the church, the body of Christ. So among other things, we saw following Christ will mean what? It will mean opposition. We saw that if you're going to follow Christ with Christ in you, that means that we need to come and recognize and be willing and understand that following Christ will mean you will suffer. So as we continue in Colossians, we see here, though, as we saw uh, Paul's ministry of suffering and struggle, uh, we see here, as we continue, a different kind of opposition and danger. We see the danger of ideas. Now, there is no doubt that we are living at a time when ideas are coming at us with persistence and at a furious pace. You know, secularism, if you know what secularism is, is essentially 
the idea that we are to live our lives devoid of religion, devoid of God, devoid of the things of God. It's essentially the, the a view of life that is based on us and man. Well, secularism has raised its head and it demands to have its place. Feel free to worship your God so long as it does not contradict the current moral revolution. Feel free to believe whatever you want to believe as long as you do not disagree or speak contrary to the sexual revolution. Be who you want to be. Have your truth. Define meaning for yourself. Last year, I remember hearing about a uh, 69-year-old Dutch man. You may have heard it as well. He made the news. Uh, basically, he he uh, made the news because he was launching into a legal dispute over what? Over his age. He claimed that he felt, based on you know his own feelings, his own uh, summation of things, he felt more like he was a 49-year-old man than a 69-year-old man. And so then he went off and started pursuing lawfully to change his age to 49. And so this kind of mentality of, of relativism is I can define who I am. I can say who I am regardless of what anyone says is this broad thrust of an idea that is being thrust upon us right now. And so we are surrounded by a current of ideas and philosophies that are seeking to define who you are. Be this, do this, walk this way. Well, this morning, we are given who we are to be defined by the way in which we, as followers of Christ, are to walk. Centrally, having received Christ, you and I are to walk in and according to Christ. He is the one who is to define us. He is the one who is to determine the trajectory and even define how we address the wave of ideas that are coming at us. So to see this, then, please turn with me, then, in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verse 5 through 16. May God bless his authoritative and true word. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. 
In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Amen. Amen indeed. The first thing we need to come and notice here as we come to these verses is we need to notice this first word. The word here, therefore. You know, as good students of the word, and not to be cheesy because I've heard this many times, but... It's right, either way, and as good students of the Word, it's right for for us to ask, when we come to the Word, therefore, what is it there for? It is there, in this case, so we'll draw a connection between all that we've read from chapter 1, verse 15, until this very point, until now. And what did we see there? What do we see from 1.15 to now? We, we not only saw, we beheld the exalted Christ who had condescended to reconcile rebels to God through his death. That's one we saw. We also saw, and we had been challenged by Paul's Christ-centered suffering for the gospel in Christ's church. And I don't know if it was challenging to you, but it was challenging to me. And so we see, though, here, this beautiful theme, a central theme, and that theme is Christ. I mean, what a theme. Hence, with this, therefore, we are directed to a truth that we need to continually set before our eyes. The truth that Jesus Christ is Lord over you. You in that seat. You individually. You and every one of us. You and even beyond all of us. You and even beyond Alabama and the United States and the nations. So it's not incidental that Paul, he says here, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Christ the promised Messiah, the one that the Old Testament lifted up, even though we didn't quite know it was fully Him until He came. But in Him coming, He came and He fulfilled the prophecies of this one who would come, who would reverse the curse that we saw, we have seen up to this very day. Jesus, the God-man who came to save sinners. The Lord. This word, it is used continually 
of Jesus in our New Testaments, right? Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, this is an amazing word because this word is actually calling to mind the Old Testament word, L-O-R-D, capitalized, purposefully. So this is identifying Jesus as our God and as our King. So when you trusted Christ, if you trusted Christ, you did not simply say, Jesus can now be part of my life. You said, He is my life. He has complete rule over all of it. He defines me. I now am no longer my own. I belong to Him. So bring it to mind, and bring it to mind often. He is Lord over us, and not us over Him. When you bow before Him, it is now that your will must align with His will, and not His yours. We have received a King. And we are to bow and let our life be his as is right before this cosmic king over all of creation. But notice this word here, received. <laughs> so this word, it is easy for us to be inclined here to think, and there's no blame here or problem like in the way of like, well, that's the way you, you thought that. Why did you think that? Generally, when we hear this word received, you know, this receiving Jesus, we often think of it in the way of like receiving Jesus as our personal Savior, right? And that's the way we talk. It's often the way we use the phrase, have you received Jesus as your Savior? You know, so if you were inclined to take it that way, uh, that's, that's, that's exactly how we use it. So it's no, no, uh, problem there. Um, but this, is not actually what this word is really getting at here. The word, it literally means what has been transmitted to you, what has been set before you. And you can't, you can see it, but this word essentially is like tradition, which makes sense because then Paul, he goes on in verse 8 to talk not according to human tradition. So he's setting up a contrast here. Christ is your tradition, not human tradition. You see? So this is more about here, about the transmitting of, the reception of what the Colossians had been taught concerning Jesus. So we can see this kind of further with this in verse, uh, the word here in verse 7, which makes sense as well just as you were taught. So transmission, what you have received, what you have heard. So for us, this means we must cling to, learn, and we must hold fast to what we are taught of Christ in His Word. And from that, thus, we are to so walk in Him. So, like a tree, you know, it 
the roots of a tree. It receives, you know, its, its life and its nourishment from the, the soil and the water. And so also we are to be rooted in Christ. Like a building. It's construction brick by brick. It cannot endure long without what? The foundation. Well, Christ is that foundation. Brick by brick built up. And so it is that Christ is to be Lord over us. So in college, you know, I, I remember being in chemistry class, you know, and experimenting, you know, with various chemicals. You know, it was amazing to see you know, how the different chemicals reacted with each other. You know, and of course, you know, we learned along the way that certain chemicals really, you do not want to mix those. And unfortunately, I wasn't the guy that was going to go and just say, oh, let's see what happens. You know, maybe, maybe you were that guy or a girl and you're like, let's just see what happens. And, you know, sometimes it was, it was not a pleasant experience, I'm sure. Uh, but I didn't do that. But as you know, if you mix the wrong chemicals, bad things can happen, right? I mean, it can be small or it can be Boom, <laughs> you're in trouble, kind of big. Well, like chemistry class, let's take a moment and do an experiment. What happens to the tree if something is put in place of Christ? What happens to the building if you slip out Christ as the foundation? Right? Well, now, with that imagery in your mind, let's ask then what happens to us when we do that. What if you put family there at the foundation? What if you put church there? What if you put your spouse there? What if you put your health there? What if you put your intelligence there? What if you put your money there. What if you put fame there? What if you put sex there? What if you put shame there that you're carrying around everywhere you go because it's here? What if you put your children there? They are your trophy. And if someone gets in the way of that trophy, they're here. Then you act. And as you, I'm sure, have answered for yourself, putting all those things at the foundation or at the root, within the roots, will lead to disaster. Those were not meant to take the place of Jesus. We were not meant to put Jesus aside and to put anything else at the foundation of our building, of the roots. So, we are then to walk instead this way, immovable, growing, and thankful. Walk rooted, built, and established in Christ. Test yourself in this. Who or what is there at the root in your life and in your heart? Don't just 
say, well, I'll do that later. Right now, begin asking the question, what is going on right here? What do I have at the root? What is my foundation? Have you put something or someone who has replaced Christ where Christ alone is to be? And this is a call to let your life and all you are be built on the Lord who is the Lord. Let Him be Lord over your life and not you. And hence comes a flood of joy and thanks that where you abound in thanksgiving when over your life is this banner according to Christ. So lift your eyes from what is broken to Him who is the hope. Lift your eyes from Him who is shaping and forming you to Him who is shaping and forming you into His image. And lift your eyes and turn from dependence on self to dependence on Him and turn from weeping to worship. Now let's return here to the imagery that Paul uses. Rooted built, the imagery of the tree and the building, let's once more ask about one more. What if we put an idea in the place of Christ? Well, this leads us to Paul's warning here. Beware of anything setting itself above Jesus. Beware of anything setting itself above Jesus. So the Colossians they were surrounded by ideas. And these ideas, especially as espoused by the false teachers of their day, they were putting them in danger of what? Of being captured, of being taken captive to them. So this is a, this is a strong word here, captive. Because it's not captive in the way like it's a small thing. It's captive in the way that this is a real danger, brothers and sisters in Christ, that there are ideas out there that are seeking to take you captive. Now, this is not, you know, you, you, you read this, it speaks of philosophy. This is not specifically speaking against philosophy in general. I think you can use philosophy and it's good in a variety of ways, but it is a word against any philosophy or any way of thinking or any idea or worldview that is not built upon Christ. So behind these Christless ideas are ways of walking that are built upon a broken foundation. The roots are dry. Behind them are is human tradition. Ways according to the, the way of us, the way of our cursedness. And they are, behind them also are the way of our, these elemental spirits. The forces of darkness who, who sit gladly watching as the world burns. As families crumble, as society snaps, as nations rage, as wars ravage the land. And so let me ask you, who told you what you believe? Who hissed in your ear that ideas don't have consequences? I've been around many a people who have thought exactly that. All, all that stuff, it doesn't really matter. It's not really affecting me and all the thrusts of the ideas of this culture. 
aanvaard. Well, China is presently raging against Christians because of what? Because Jesus is a rival king to their kingdom. Worship of Christ challenges communist tyranny. They want their people ensnared to their idea. America. It believes that it is progressing toward ever greater freedom while the spiritual forces of darkness, what they are doing is they are grinning and they are laughing at us as they add more and more chains to enslave, to ensnare, and to blind people from seeing the truth of the gospel and being saved. They are setting up a kingdom that is contra Christ. Because Christ, when He comes into any nation or any place, He challenges every and any, any and all kingdoms that are there. So our warning then, I hope you're getting this, that ideas matter. Do not be taken captive. Instead, be captive to the Word of Christ. Take every thought and idea and set it under the light and the lamp of God's Word. Be rooted, built, established in Christ, in the Word of Christ. There's a reason Paul says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, because it is true. He comes and he challenges any idea that comes if it's not according to Christ. And it's exactly the way we are to challenge them to. Hence it is that we are given here the reason we are not to be taken captive. Because you know the incarnate Christ. So the false teachers, they were emphasizing the spirits and immaterial reality as authority that the Colossians were to bow to, they were to seek after, uh, to even find meaning from, they were to find their fullness from. It's not much different than what is going on around us everywhere and what the spirits are trying to do. Well, they were to fear the spirits. Well, contrary to this, Paul, he declares it is in Jesus that the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. There is no spiritual power that is above or that is over Jesus. And since Christ is in you, there is no spiritual power we are to fear. There is no idea or philosophy that will one day win out. He is the true God and He is our true Savior. Hence, be not swayed by the spiritual forces of darkness, nor tremble that the word of Christ will someday, one day fail, because it will not fail. He is Lord. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure. 
For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through Him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindreds go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And flowing from this, Paul then comes and he reminds us of this glorious truth here. That if you know Christ, you have been buried and raised with Him. You have been buried and raised with Him. So these next verses here, verses 11 and 12, they may seem odd. So Paul, he all of a sudden, it seems, brings up circumcision. Like, well, Paul, what, where did that come from? I mean, we were going along here, philosophy, ideas, and human tradition, and spirits, and uh, D fully dwelling in him. And, and what, what happened? Circumcision, where did that come from? Well, the false teachers were also actually likely part of this as well. They were teaching circumcision in the law as a means to greater godliness. And so Paul, he is seeking to be clear here that at every point, Paul, he would not have Christ be moved from his proper place as supreme above all and supreme above all in our lives. Hence it is that he speaks here of this Old Testament practice. So, what is circumcision? Well, circumcision, it functioned as a sign for uh, Old Testament, in Old Testament, that you were in covenant with God. So, Genesis chapter 17. Not going to read it now. You can read it for yourself. The covenant of circumcision is given there. So, if you were essentially an offspring of Abraham, you were to be circumcised. Yet, what you see as you walk through the Old Testament, you find this contrast between like a physical circumcision and a circumcised heart. Again and again, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. So you find that you can be circumcised physically and not be circumcised here. They have uncircumcised ears, is what Jeremiah says. You have uncircumcised hearts. So in other words, you could be physically circumcised, but not truly regenerate, not truly know God. So Paul, he lifts up Christ then as the one who has come to bring about a true spiritual circumcision. So in coming to Christ by faith, He is your circumcision. He is the object of which the sign pointed. He is the one who makes you part of God's family, an offspring of Abraham. He comes as the fulfillment of the offspring who would crush the serpent's 
head, right? Genesis 3.15, this offspring shall come. Genesis 17, circumcision put in place to say, there will be a seed, someone who will come, offspring, to come and save sinners. So in coming to Christ, here he says, in him also you were uh, circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, referring to Christ as circumcision. So in coming to Christ, your sinful flesh, your body of flesh was crucified with him. And as we read at the beginning in Romans 6, 6, Paul, he makes a similar point. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And so Paul then, he goes on to write here of baptism to say, in a similar way, baptism declares your death in Christ. You're identifying with Christ as your Lord, the one for whom you walk. Baptism is different from circumcision. In the Old Testament, you could be circumcised and not truly know God and follow Him. However, you know, with all love to those who believe in infant baptism and, or pedo-baptism, Baptism in the New Testament signifies the inward spiritual reality of what has happened to a believer when they put their faith in Christ. So think about this practically, baptism practically. The word itself means immersion. A person is, so we're thinking practically again, let's have someone right there baptizing them. So a person is baptized. They are dead in the water, dead in their sin, not alive, right? If you're underwater, you're not alive anymore if you stay there for too long. But dead. But then, by the power of God, they are raised to new life through faith in Christ, hence risen out of the water. And this is why Paul, he writes, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So it is we see and we say, if you know Christ, you are not now alive in him. Christ is your Lord. He is your life. And no idea contra this gospel will take back what God has done by His powerful working in you. And so it is that we see here then, your debts have been publicly paid. Your debts have been publicly paid. So if you are here, and you are here and you do not know Jesus Christ, this phrase it is actually describing you dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh. It's saying you are dead spiritually and you are dying 
physically, and one day the both shall meet. You are dead such that your sin has severed you from God. Now, I'm not much for you know zombie movies or zombies. Maybe you are, and you're just like, man, I, I love... I love zombies, you know. I would dress up like one if I could. Well, uh, where we're Louisville, Kentucky, they had a place there where uh, on one of the roads where they would dress up like zombies, and if you drove down it, you just better expect uh, someone to run into your car like a zombie would do. Well, nonetheless, I'm not much into zombies. Maybe you are, but this here is a fitting description of those who are who do not know Jesus Christ. A dead man or woman walking. But you need not remain this way. You've heard the gospel this morning. But hear it again. Christ came and died and he was buried to save you. So repent, flee, run to Jesus that you may drink, eat, and live. That this would be true of you. That day, God made him or her alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against you with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Your debts are many. and God's law is witness against you. But upon trusting Christ, that record of debt, the lies you have told, the hate you have had, the anger, the adultery, the lust, the pornography, the murder, will be declared paid. And what a marvel that for us who know Christ, thus it is written of us as well. Paid. This one belongs to Christ. So do not fear the spiritual powers of darkness that have been disarmed. Their accusations and their lies, brothers and sisters. So let your life be His. Let nothing move you from Christ, from walking according to Christ as the ideas, philosophies come that are not according to Christ. You keep bowing the knee before your Lord. And so, may it be that you would walk publicly for and firmly in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask, Lord, as I know there are some here who uh, you have used your word to convict. You have used your word uh, to show them uh, areas in their life where they simply needed change. I ask, Father, for your grace upon them right now that they would uh, by your spirit, you would um, work in them and help uh, anything in their life that perhaps they have put above you, that even now they would see that 
putting Christ in and let in letting Christ be where he is to be, Lord as he is Lord, is freedom. And so may they embrace the truth that they have died in Christ and now belong to him. Father, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ, I pray, Father, for them right now that you would help them to even now see their own need for Jesus, their own need in the midst of their sin, the guilt that they have and they feel, the darkness that is there in their heart and mind and life, as I knew as well. The shame, perhaps. Pray that they would see that Jesus came to save them, to make them right with God, to know God again and be made anew through Him. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here who has not been baptized, you have heard of what baptism means, and pray that if they haven't obeyed you, Christ the Lord, and they know you, that they would obey. They would see that this is uh, what believers are to do. They are to to respond in obedience and faith and be baptized as you have commanded in your word. And so, Father, we just pray for everyone and may you help us, Lord, all of us, to rightly and fully and readily respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.